just finished chapter four of Chronomaly and our guests have done it. Good work, PG. Good work, Brian. You did it. You escaped. They did not get on fire. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love how you had fire as the theme. I feel like in Survivor, they always say fire is life. <laughs> it was the complete opposite <laughs> in this episode. In this game, fire represents your death. Um, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Uh, but no, you guys did really well. That's a tough room. So congratulations on, on getting through it and getting through all those piles of books. Uh, you guys, it was great. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. It was wonderful. <laughs> Once it started coming together, like it kind of took a while to get used to the rhythm yeah. of the puzzles. And it was just that our, can definitely our happen. overlooking small things like the, the spelling, specific spelling. I probably should have had... I probably should have had them give us yeah, the, the titles yeah. written out because I had everything spelled mm. totally wrong. I had like E's for all the A's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the trouble with doing things online. Like if we get to do it in person, if we're lucky enough for that, I get to look over people's shoulders to make sure they're mm. getting everything right. And it's also an accent thing that, that that's often true A's too. in an Australian accent come out as E's to an American accent or they yeah. would use this, you would use this, the, the opposite vowel to make that same sound. It uh, happens a lot. Like my... Even just like my my father's name being Alan gets a lot of like errands and all this other stuff when people mishear <laughs> Helen, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Happens all the time. Um, but it is interesting. We've talked about this before as one of the aspects of doing an audio-only escape room, that searching isn't really a thing, but the version of searching you get in audio is keeping track of as many keywords as you can find so that when you see like, oh, there's all these things in the catalogue that have, you know, letters and Roman numerals, you go, oh, wait a minute, I found a letter and a Roman numeral stuck together earlier. It's E4. Is there an E4? And like, that's the version of searching. So that's where you can, that's where people, when they play, are most likely to miss things or let things slip is not being able to find little hidden keywords in descriptions. So a good note taking would be important, which I guess I just (laughs) It's tough. It's it's, It's it's definitely more difficult to visualize it. Yes, yeah. Oh, boy, I cannot imagine trying to do this without drawing pictures in the yeah, no, that I've gotten to play. When we've, had, yeah, when we've had guest GMs, the idea of doing one without lots and lots of pictures in front of me and writing down every word, mm. I would struggle really hard. Well, I was trying to, and I was trying to split the difference between writing down all the words but trying to catch up and keep up with it and draw pictures at the same time. Can can you send me the pictures? I would love to see them. Oh, they're the the worst. That's what everyone says and no one sends me pictures. (laughs) I just, well, because you don't know what's going to be important. So it's like, I was, I was like, do I need to draw pictures of the art? Is that going to be more relevant? Or is mm. the title of it going to be more relevant? You know, mm. or like where yeah. they are? And like trying to do, I should have had you writing what I should have. See, I should have had both of us writing notes that if you did the titles and maybe if I drew like the diagram, would that have been easier? I didn't want to. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I 
should have had like a notepad up. I'm a much faster typer than I am a writer. Oh, well, that's the other thing too. I was more worried about the keyboard noises and stuff to be typing the entire time. He finally oh, started typing that. some things because I was taking forever trying to handwrite because every <laughs> every name you gave us had like a hundred letters. Like, I was like, it wasn't. It wasn't tough like this one in terms of that note taking. Uh, I, I think, didn't name the guy. I think possibly when I did this. Um, I had the uh, I had the benefit of doing it in an opposite order. So I think when I was uh, running, when I was play, like checking out the room and playtesting it, uh, I believe I'd gone to the catalog and seen that I had E four before I looked at the pictures. That's so once true. I looked at the pictures and thought Asclepius, oh maybe that's AS. I all I wrote down was like AS and like oh Hephaestus, that could be an H. And so because I already had, I was already primed for what letters I was looking for it was easier right. for me to take notes because I knew what was relevant I knew what like when I saw it I was like oh wait a minute that's going to be about the husbandry shelf or that's going to be about the medicine shelf uh, right so I could just write down the initials so I had an easier time of it because I went a different direction well I just didn't uh, have I really didn't have the names written in an orderly fashion I think that's why it didn't jump out <laughs> right <yeah>. away <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that was really that was just the hardest was getting all of those elements together. Hmm. Yeah, this is definitely a tricky one for that. There, I've seen lots of people talk about, oh, how much fun would it be to have an escape room set in a library and things like that. The problem with that is, okay, you've got lots of books. Obviously, some of them will have clues, some won't. How on earth do you control for the luck factor of someone picking the right one that they need at the mm. very end and that sort of thing? So drastically overcomplicating your shelving system, putting things in other languages that you just get to say, no, nope, you don't understand what that one says. It's all you can really do to make it happen. Mm. It's, and, it's and there tricky. are a couple of you like you have to end up making things complicated. There are a couple of these like inbuilt sort of issues. Like if, for example, you'd looked at the E4, gone to the catalogue and thought, okay, well, E4 is this book. So I know what book I'm looking for. I know it's in E4. I don't know what E is, but why don't I just check the fourth book on every shelf? then I'll find it after six tries. So the fact that it's then in Dutch is very helpful because it means that if you find it that way, when you're not sure which one's E4, it'll be like, oh, you find a book in Dutch, you can't see the title anywhere because the title was written in English. So like, there's little things Mm. that that force you to solve those puzzles to be there that that reduce your ability to find it serendipitously. Right. But it means because of those limitations... You end up with a very complex puzzle. It makes it hard. (laughs) You're gonna. So Brian just sent you um, a picture of my notes. You're gonna laugh Yay! because I wrote down um, Hephaestus wields fire against dark arrows, <laughs> like arrows, and I was like, "Wow, this is really like this is art is racist." Like, <laughs> 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 What was there any moment during that game as you played through it that you felt especially smart? smart. Was there anything you were proud of yourself for getting? Oh god, like probably all of it. Jesus, I felt really stupid the whole time. I felt, yeah, I felt immensely stupid the whole time. I, I, we, I felt like we were just missing so many small things. Well, the, you know, really the hardest was was the, and I think it's because of my horrible notes with the art, and then there was it's just you know this being our first, well. Or second, actually, because I did it with you, though, when we did the other escape room over the phone. <laughs> Just recently, PG went to um, 
Arizona? I live in Tucson by myself on a business trip, and I wanted to do an escape room. And it was a room meant for, like, you know, it was a public room for, like, 10 to 12 people, but I was the only one there. (laughs) Okay. And so, um, yeah, and and I talked to them, and they – and I was telling these guys about it, and I was like, well, he he was like, you can video me, and I was like, I will ask. And they let me, like – Take pictures and send pictures and actually do video. Oh, wow. I thought you were just doing it over the phone. Yeah. So, yeah, I did it over that's the phone with her. It was actually really fun. Like, like call a friend. So yeah. Tommy, both Tommy and Brian, um, Tommy who did your other podcast, like Tommy and Brian mm. both sat there and helped me with all the, the puzzles and everything. Like I would send them <laughs> video, I would send them pictures and videos and, you know. And that, but that one oh, actually did super well because she sent us pictures and we'd be like, oh, the number's this. And she'd be like, wait, how'd you even get that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, no, but here's the real question. Did you get out? She did. I did just just barely oh, because I think I just spent so much time trying to take the photos and then of what course that is what I was thinking <laughs> it would double the time for everything. Oh I man! Yeah. I thought at least you'd have like FaceTimed them in so you could just show them around as you go. I, I expected her to do that. Like it would be great to have like, a little voice <laughs> guy call and then you know. If I had had like a harness yeah. where I was holding it, but then it's like you can't hold the phone with one hand and run around and trying to do stuff because it's, again, it's just me. So it's like, you know, usually when you're doing a room with people, you can be like, okay, you grab all those things and bring them here while I start arranging them. You know, <laughs> I got that specifically because, so I got this new little 360 rotatable mobile phone wristband because I feel like there's an idea in this, calling a friend sort of thing in the future for escape rooms. It might be a fun mm-hmm. element to have friends that can't normally make it out to you. Uh, I kind of love it. Yeah. So there's, I think there might be potential in future games where uh, they're broadcasting to their friends or FaceTiming their friends, and that might actually create a, a more wholesome experience for players that really have trouble getting people out, like herding cats when you're trying to get your group together. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, any any, any uh, activity that requires you to get a bunch of adults together Never works. Exactly. It's just impossible. So, um, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, that's I like that. I want to do that now. I want to just create that situation purely just for the fun of it. <laughs> I'm amazed that it was a like a public ten to twelve person room, and there was nothing in it that physically required more than one person. That's fascinating. Uh, so I actually ended up doing two rooms, and the second one they couldn't help me with, but the guy came in, and there was one part where it was. One of those puzzles where you had to hold hands and touch something. Uh, right, yeah. And okay. the GM actually ran in and helped me. Once I was oh, like, that's lovely. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, once I was like, oh, I think I need another person. He was like, okay, like, you, you know. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Do you often, I mean, I, I hesitate to call that soloing exactly, but do you often solo rooms? No, that was the very first time. It was just because. I was in Tucson for two weeks and I was just bored and I just wanted to do a room and I figured it was the only place with public rooms and I was like, great, I'll jump in a room with other people and it'll be fine. And just the only times I could do it, nobody else had signed up, (laughs) which was awesome. I only paid 20 and they only, like, I only had to pay 20 dollars. Yeah, that's true. $20 in their pocket is better than no money by turning you away and being like, no, I can't do it. Nice. So They were being really accommodating. It was awesome. Oh, that's good. So, hey, I have All right. Can I start with yeah, my question? Uh, so, oh, yeah. with, 
with the Bible where when it said that ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will open. Did that? Did we use that for anything? Yeah, for the just, keys. Knock and for the keys. Oh, for the keys. I see. Yeah. We didn't have to. That's right. That's yeah, right. So okay. Yeah. So yeah. for the final key, we needed three keys. It was to spell out knock and it will be open to you. Yeah. That's so right. you've got the three knock keys. But it does. It's an early clue that you don't get to use to the very final puzzle of the game. Mm-hmm. So it spends the entire... So so you kind of spend a lot of the room thinking... Knocking on everything. Should I knock on this? <laughs> should, 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 should I knock on this book? It doesn't help that we're both very, you know, escape room oriented people. So there's obviously the knock puzzle that's a very popular puzzle in escape rooms. Absolutely. Well, we're doing a history. And so I have to be like, okay, they're not going to have magnetic relays in this room. They're not going to have. No, but you can feel like an empty. You're like, oh, you knock on the bookshelf and maybe it's not hollow. So then you. It could have been a thing. It absolutely. It absolutely would have been valid. And I felt. You know, kind of bad. I don't want to say I felt terrible about it because I still used it. But I did know that in my notes, like often when uh, people make mistakes, I just have to say, sorry, no, that doesn't work. I actually have written in my notes, sorry, that doesn't work. I know it seems like it should, but it doesn't. Yeah. Brian was rolling his eyes at me every time I wanted to knock on something. I mean, well, he did find the other the things on the side, so I mean, it did give us more information on the chat. So it wasn't necessarily a bad idea. It was just we needed to look more closely at things, and that's something that we sometimes uh, forget about when we're doing audio. I don't know. Maybe an angel would pop open like out of the chest if I knocked. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um, I have one question. What's your Greek god knowledge like generally? Horrible. Uh, like, ha- had you heard of any of the ones in this room? I'd heard of Hephaestus and Romulus mm. and Remus. That was about it. Ah, uh, yeah, back when they were mentioned. Oh, um, I was going to Latin ones. Because, yeah, that was a very tricky thing, wanting to include gods and what they were the gods of, but then going, okay, to what extent do I need to spell out things? Because, obviously, don't want outside knowledge, but don't want it to be so common that people can use their outside knowledge too easily right. anyway. So trying to find a couple of ones that they'll know just to get the familiar ones out there and get a little bit of association. But then I sort of spelled it out with the titles a yeah, little I bit. Think you, I think you gave <laughs> enough information in the titles that it didn't require knowledge that Asclepius is the god of medicine because you were like, here's Asclepius doing medicine so then you can time to the medicine yeah. shelf. Without specifically outrageously saying, cool, by the way, Asclepius is the god of medicine. Yeah. I mean, it almost was. But it was just, I tried to be just far enough away. But I specifically, like, I had to Google, okay, who are some obscure gods? Like, Momus? He's actually a god? Yeah, the Momus, god of the satire? god of satire. <laughs> really? Oh, that's cool. I like that. Uh, I thought it included pretty well with what they were doing in the art. Like, and you're describing it was pretty good. Mm, yeah, I think I think Danny did a good job with that. I think you, I think it worked out in terms of like it's a tricky balance, but not I was needing to have I'm, that knowledge. I'm pretty sure that this whole associating gods with the shelves was kind of my puzzle starting point for this room. Not my starting point because I never start with a puzzle, but I wanted that sort of link to be it. So when I started the puzzle design for this room, that was the one that I wanted to be the centerpiece. I wanted people to be spending the most time on that, and. Well, yeah, that worked. And yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we did. I really like the um, how you guys incorporated old real art pieces in there. I was kind of hoping that uh, the, these art pieces that you were talking about were real ones as well, and that I could just go yeah, and Google them while nice. I was podcasting. Um, that would have been smart. I should have checked to see if there were real ones that fit this. Oh, well, no, they're, yeah. not, they're not real. 
I didn't check, but I don't remember finding any good art pieces of Momus. That's fair. <laughs> um, the Bible verses, also real ones. That was interesting, just going to one of the online Bible sites and doing a keyword search. Like, oh, hey, do they have anything about keys and locks in the Bible? And, oh, boy, do they. <laughs> yeah. I was always um, thinking that, you know, it would be great to create some uh, religious-themed escape rooms for those uh, types like, um, what is it, Jordan the Whale, trying to escape from the, the big fish or whatever. Mm. Um, oh, you definitely yeah. could. Well, yeah. David did, didn't he? Uh, back in season one, our first ever guest person, he was doing that, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was. He was making uh, escape rooms for for Bible groups, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and again, yeah. that's tricky because you got to make sure you're not using too much of the uh, pre-understood knowledge that they've mm. got to have. But also, you kind of want to, Ooh. especially for like, especially well, yeah. for like Bible groups. You want to use it as their like, yeah, like, 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 like a learning experience as well. Especially yeah, that is true. Like, teaching rather than testing. You know, they're just trying to to teach them morality and stuff, and then you just sort of sew that into your puzzles and your narrative and stuff. <laughs> you fill the room full of moral dilemmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, oh, you get, a, you get a fun puzzle where you got like a slide puzzle trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and it just doesn't work. And it doesn't work until you, until you pay enough money. <laughs> yeah, I think Get rid of all your money. I feel like I've been seeing that in rooms lately, though, where they give you a moral dilemma at the end. Like, well, well, I mean... Uh, my room does. <laughs> sure, my room does. But that'd be great, you know, just a bowl of shrimp chips. Ah, uh, yeah, there are so many possible things. Now, we actually, there was a bit that changed through this in the playtest because I had uh, unintentionally, but I knew that it was coming. I'd accidentally left holes with the whole catalog thing of just being able to go and find the book that you wanted. Mm. So the whole book being written in Dutch and that entire old system of cataloging that wasn't there in the play test no, that that's was right last week it's an additional puzzle uh but also to yeah to to kind of make it all so you can't just because it, it definitely was like in the original iteration of this room all of that could have been sidestepped in a few different ways and it was really just relying on people being like no no let's stop and and take time to solve this puzzle but it wasn't kind of needed. Exactly, so which is a terrible idea. For we added a few room. things in to make it. And also because there wasn't really, I think before that, there wasn't any moment in the room that was like the big puzzle. Uh, there wasn't a process puzzle. Exactly. Yeah, so we wanted something that was a bit more like do a puzzle, do, like solve a thing. We wanted to make you waste your time trying to understand the stupid system. Yeah. Once you knew what you were looking for, as soon as you were like, oh, we need a, a translation of a Dutch book, and so you had a goal with that. Oh yeah, you, you, you got, got it really it. quickly, right? Because it was based on having already identified the shelves. <laughs> and once you do it as a sep- as a separate puzzle, it took you took you to like like a minute to get through. Right. It was, it was pretty. It yeah. Was pretty, once you knew what you wanted, it was. Yeah, it was really straightforward. Well, I think also what hung us up was we didn't, I guess, read through the entire catalog because we didn't ha- we didn't get the the letters that yes. were in the catalog until like way late. I wonder if on a rewrite, or like if you wanted to, to change it slightly with how that information is given, hmm. you wouldn't bring up the additional page of catalogue until they say, can we check the catalogue to see if we find any reference to a Dutch translation? And then you go, oh, actually, you do find this little letter in the back that says something about oh, a Dutch boy. translation and give it to them then to, seg- to segment when those puzzles are given so they don't confuse but what yeah, puzzles they does, need to do. It was an overload, wasn't it? It was like, a bit too much. Because that letter was so important and so much concentration goes into it that you forget the couple of sentences about the catalogue that came before it. It's a fi- it's an it's an extra th- image you get which makes it seem like that's the point. Yes. 
as opposed yeah, to the fact that in I this case, that. there was a huge amount of, uh, of, of information in the lead up to getting that image. Yeah, uh, which was yeah, separate yeah. and just as important. And I think it makes it seem too much like, oh, this was the point of what you looked at as opposed to being two separate things. So it'd be yeah. interesting if there's a way to gate that a little bit if we ever redesign that. I think that's what's the biggest holdup was not having the... Because if we had had the letters to begin with, then we would have immediately been like, oh, you know, the H for Festus, the A-R. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get those until way later. Yeah, I, I thought I asked about those too. And I, I don't know what the answer was. I forget... Well, yeah, on the original description, as soon as you check the catalog, it tells you all of the, like it says, it, it has all that information about like, they are different letters things. And Roman numerals, letters and numerals. You see an AS, you see an E. It didn't think, give you the full list. Yeah, I think I misunderstood you... what, what I gave the question when we go back and listen to it. I think I misunderstood. Because <laughs> yes. I, I did ask what was on the catalog or what was the list of the catalog's books or something like that. And I think I just misunderstood what the catalog even purpose was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that, that sort of gave us the wrong information from the start, and I didn't really look into it more. So that it might could have been. Rough. Um, but yeah, no, the, definitely once everything came together, if, if we got that page, maybe like maybe that page falls out of the Dutch book or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's different ways. I think maybe gating it slightly different, just to give an understanding of what the the current task is. Mm. Could be a bit, could be a, a different way to do it. Maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll amend the notes at some point to to be up with yeah. that. Or maybe we'll fix it when we release these as a commercial product. <laughs> I was so used to being able to like pick things up and bring them over and interact with them. And like, you were like, everything is bolted or chained down. <laughs> Nothing in this room moved whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It's a very, it a very it's static a very room. observey room. Also, a weird little thing I noticed that doesn't really matter, but just huh? a tiny thing when looking through the notes. What? In the actions section, yeah. the alphabetically last item that you can interact with uh, is a door. We don't get yeah. past D. Everything is very, very early in the alphabet. Meaningless. <laughs> has no, but I just noticed that. I think it was interesting. Because I was looking at the door and like, well, where's the rest of this list? Surely it must continue on for pages. Uh, but you're right. It was a very static room. Uh, lots more images to look at. Very different feeling than like the room, say, last week. Or so last, uh, last episode of doing like... Uh, and even more drastically different from the one two weeks before that in the tomb. Yeah, yeah, the room that Tommy and, and Patrick Fye did, like, that was very much take this, interact with this, move to a new place, find a new thing. It was very yeah. different in flavour. Was they that were any all part, Danny? <laughs> when, when you were designing this, was that a, it doesn't seem like it was a deliberate choice, but was it? Did, did you think, I want to change the pace of what we're doing in each room? Um, not exactly, but for meta reasons, I wanted a variety. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Meta reasons. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because it is interesting. It is a different... And the room we do next, uh, trying to think what happens in that room. It's a little... It's it's more static, but you definitely do take actions. It is much more... Yeah, there's a lot more... No, there's there's a lot more, like... Physical man- manipulation of, of, yeah, of just stuff. Not compared to the tomb. You aren't no. moving about in a huge space like that one. But yeah, that is definitely... So the, the room that comes up next, and, and which will be out in, in a week from now, yeah. uh, and now from when this is released, not when we're recording, it'll take months. Um, uh, that one, yeah, has, is a similar small room, but it's full of lots of like, pick this up and put it over here and take mm. this and move this. And do- so again, yeah, it's a, v- a different well, flavor I as well. Now I feel bad. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm so I think it's sorry. Just an interesting you didn't get to throw anything. You got to break one statue. <laughs> 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 no, 
don't know. It was it was fun. It was just so it was so different than what I feel like I was expecting. I think that's partly what kind of threw me off. I was like, I can't move the statues. I was like, is it? <laughs> and those bus, those stupid bus, spent hours on. Like, why do I do actually take the time and research a guy's other podcast before I started that? Because I was more confused and like, wait, this isn't like their other podcast. What's going on? Uh, yeah, it is interesting. And it's interesting when you like, you want to provide variety for listeners but for each individual player they don't only get that one experience yeah. so it's a it's an interesting thing i like i think this is a fun room i really enjoyed this one uh it felt a little bit more i think maybe because of that because it isn't about doing lots of stuff two things it's just varying puzzles about interpretation it's got a different flavor to it that felt more like you could you know it's a poirot style you just sit in your chair and you think hmm, what are the facts that i have here let me piece this together yeah, and it's kind of like a different flavor. You're not running around trying to do stuff. You're going, where can I? How can I connect all this? Like, where's the line? Mm-hmm. What what draws this thing to another thing? Which I um, love. I remember on mine. Oh, please no, please go on. Oh, I was gonna say I love those types of puzzles. I just had the worst notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what you know, I would have I would have liked maybe images or, or like seeing the titles of the art. Because I did not write down the entire title. I think that was yeah. really what kind of screwed us. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, difference yeah. in it's, like... It's so hard trying to find a balance because, yeah, drawing out those artworks, besides the fact that I can't draw people at all and oh. having their titles with it, that would have been great fun. How many images is too many <laughs> yeah, images for had... audio media? Right. Yeah, I'm already nine, pushing it. <laughs> 11 images maybe, something like that. It would have oh, been a lot. Ouch. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it is, uh, it's, it's interesting yeah, it's it's where those balances tough. are. And yeah, this is on, like, it's entirely on me, setting a room in a library. <laughs> well, yes, right? It's all about language. Um, I remember, so when I played this, when I did the, the playtest, which again, if you're a, a Patreon donor, you can listen to the entire playtest that we've got. Um, but I remember I got really caught up on the very first thing because about Radnor, right? Mm. Because the, the poem, you know, that Danny... That Danny gives you, or the little like line is like, like, where is Radnor? Show me Radnor. Let's go to Radnor, or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, these are three separate clues. So I, I looked on the first map. I was like, okay, Radnor is E4. That's where it is. Okay, now how do I get to Radnor? I go northwest from London, which is where we are. Okay, well if I look at the map, north and west is Sept and Oxy. And if I take E4, Sept Oxy, that's eleven letters. I'm going to unlock the spot. And it was just this wild. <laughs> Kind of like I was very nothing distressed. was relevant. And I was like, no, no, because now I know where Radnor is. Now I've got to go to Radnor. And I got very caught up on stuff. Uh, where in, in the end, it's just like Radnor, E4. That's it. That's the one step of that puzzle. Radnor is E4. Then you've got extra knowledge. But I got caught up for so long trying to look for Radnor and find. I was so like, this is it. I didn't even look at the rest of the room. Like, I hadn't looked at <laughs> anything in the room. I was like, I'm solving this Radnor puzzle. <laughs> It was, it was foolish. It took me a long time. Well, cause, I mean, because when they're right next to each other, you kind of assume that somehow they're going to be related, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're both kind of like geography-based, and they're both like, they have that kind of map, where is stuff, how do I get there feel to it. But, uh, yeah, so I got caught up in that for a long time. That, for me, was the my version of the bookshelf identification for you guys. Because <laughs> you guys got the Radnor thing and moved on real quick, and I was stuck for ages. Yeah, to find new things and fold in other puzzles that weren't related to it into that one puzzle, and uh, so it was definitely that was my sticking point. 
Um, I'm all right. more used to uh, just trying to gather everything first, set it aside, mm. and then come back and assess <clears throat> everything. Oh, yeah. Bill, in one word, what would you say is the most important thing about starting an escape room business? Um, uh, uh, puzzles. <laughs> puzzles. No, no, Bill, it's trust. Having a business is all about trust in the people that you work with, the people that you are working for, all of that. Now, how many people do you think trust BuzzShot, customer management software, with their business? Uh, yeah. Seven? <laughs> oh, you naive, incompetent fool. It's over 250. Over 250 individual escape room locations all use BuzzShot. And now, of course, the customers are trusting the escape rooms with their lives while they're in there. <laughs> sure. How many customers do you think have gone through BuzzShot's rooms? Okay, 250 rooms. Um, uh, like 254? So close this time. I mean, I was really rooting for you. It's over 1.5 million. That's pretty big. And that's just as of 2019. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if 250 businesses and 1.5 million customers can be wrong. It would be very weird. But if you want to find out for yourself, go to buzzshot.co slash escape this podcast. You get a free trial. And then when you sign up, you get 80% off your first month. Look, even if all of these millions of people are all wrong for some strange reason, it literally doesn't even hurt you to find out. So get this spectacular software that everyone's using, all the cool kids, every cool, think of a cool kid. They're using the software and you should be too. Uh, all right. So I think in terms of this room, that's probably yeah, we've probably, probably covered, covered it. That. The, the other questions are, okay, for the arc, for the whole kind of time travel story, what the heck is going on? Because <laughs> so in, originally we had this idea that like as we were going to rooms for the first two, like objects were being taken out of those rooms at the end, right? So when, when you finish the story, there was like a, not out of the room, but like a new object had been freed into the world, a mm -hmm. painting, a, a gem from a tomb, yeah. That episode, then last last room threw that off because there was nothing that so, like a person got released into the world, I guess, but not an object. So I have no idea what's going on with that. But in this one, we're kind of back to an object being recovered, right? You you saved these um, these Dutch documents that have now left their imminent destruction and been taken out into the kind of the wide world by this woman who runs the Minix Society. And thank you to our Patreon donor. Grace Minix for uh, having us use her name. Uh, but yeah, so so is this back to that original theory? Is is Greg for some reason trying to like stop you having these or stop someone finding all of these objects by getting them destroyed? Like I don't know what I don't know if he has a plan. I don't know what his plan is. Like it's weird. Like how could did Greg mess all this up? I'm, I've no idea. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, she took off with uh, the spoils that she had promised to us, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she promised it to you and she left with them, so I know that's pretty But we saved the Dutch, so it's all the balance, okay? <laughs> you left us the keys. You heavily saved the Dutch by breaking a statue. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really interesting sort of like... That'd be a pretty big, wild timeline change what, if if Dutch Greg existed? eliminated the history of the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty big. Um, 
but yeah, like it's it's an inch. I don't really know where, like, what's going. Like, I feel like there's going to be a twist. Something. There's going to be some sort of like, actually, Greg was you the whole time. You know, there was never any Greg. It's all a, it's all a lie from an evil Bill who's set you up to steal to to time heist. Off. Like, it's really, I just don't know. Greg accidentally went back in time and erased himself. Yeah, well, maybe. I want to know how Greg is managing to do so much time travel when all of us are only able to do it once. <laughs> right? I have questions. That is that the question before. as well. Like, if if he's gone to all these times, but going twice destroyed, maybe that's a lie. Like, the only reason we think going twice, like, kills you is because Bill has said, oh, don't go twice, it'll kill you. <laughs> maybe Bill's lying. Or maybe Bill doesn't know. Maybe Greg found some better option. Maybe old man Doc Bill is actually just Greg who went back in time to like 50 years ago and then aged into an old man and is now old man Bill. Oh, Doc Bill, what... the, I have no idea. All that's of these weird time travel. You. He went back so, in time like, I've got... to his grandmother. Exactly. He's his old But so it's this weird thing of like, how does that all work? Like, you're right. How does Greg do multiple time travel? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he went back once and then lived for thousands of years. Uh, I think it, it, I can't remember if we've done this. Did we suggest to one of these, or maybe we do it in the future, the idea of, like, he just went back to the earliest point and then, like, his entire family lineage is, in 10,000 years, I want you to lock a woman in a church on this date. You must do it. You must do it, my great, 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 great grandson. Follow on the Greg line. So, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a mystery, and I'm really not sure. Well, we'll have to just keep listening and find out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And that being said, actually, now all of the rooms have been written, so you'll have no actual decision-making capacity mm-hmm. here, but... Looking into the next rooms, is there anything that you would like think might be a setting or that you would like to see as a setting? So we've done so far uh, ancient Rome, mm-hmm. uh, the tomb of Qi Shi Huang in China uh, at some point after it was built. Uh, we've done a witch during witch trials in Scotland. Ooh. And now we've done uh, 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 whatever we just did, uh, 1600s Great Fire of London. So we're getting kind of further into the future every time. Is there anything that you think might come up soon or will or could come up? I don't think something cool would be uh, maybe around Oppenheimer's time or uh, during the Manhattan Ooh. Project. That would be Manhattan interesting. Manhattan Project, that'd be an interesting one. And you're trying to, uh, who knows, prevent a spy from stealing the plans or such. or. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's just, I, I can't say anything. Yeah, Danny can't, and I can't Danny, change Danny can't, anything. I'm not even going to look at her face. Um, that could be interesting. <laughs> that could be cool. Although, yeah, there'd be some kind of like, I don't know, some moral questions are just like, quickly, you know, Greg has stopped Oppenheimer from developing atomic weapons. You have to help him. Atomic <laughs> weapons are an important part of history. Do we need them? So, yeah, we got all these moral questions related to that. It's maybe a bit too heavy for That was definitely a decision that I had to come up with. So in our introductory episode, I essentially have Doc Bill say, oh, Greg has changed the timeline and countless disasters have happened that weren't supposed to happen. 
I'm not going to name any of them. Just think of a disaster. It probably wasn't supposed to happen. Like, I felt weird about saying, I don't know, if not for Greg, 9-11 wouldn't have happened or something specific like that. So I just tried to keep it broad because otherwise it does start to feel a little bit moralistically awkward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And also Greg is one of our listeners, so I don't want to blame 9-11 on him. In a different sense, you could also do like uh, Alan Turing. When he was uh, yeah. Ooh, that's, code. that's a little bit more uh, right up the alley. Yeah. yeah. I just have a whole Absolutely. Enigma code machine puzzle. Exactly. Oh, there are only a few more to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What we've got, this episode, this, there's six more. And who knows how many of those will actually be the, still in time travel. Yeah. Like, the last two might be in Bill's lab fighting him with... with dragon with swords. Dragon swords. <laughs> got from dragon times. <laughs> Which, the fu- which is the future. The future. The future dragon times, when we start to genetically engineer dragons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that is true. Well, we might also go coming. into the future. It's coming. It'll happen. Oh, that'll be, that'll be fun with all the stuff that was taken from all the previous episodes, and they all come mm. together. Yeah. You've got to throw Dutch documents at someone <laughs> so that they fall <laughs> onto a painting of Julia's father, uh, and then, and then that, then they stumble onto that into orb, a river of and they roll on the orb, and they go whoa, and they fall over. And that's it, perfect. and then get hit by some hard bread. <laughs> stole from last episode. It's perfect. Uh, wonderful. All right. So uh, the other thing we can always talk about while you're here is 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 just puzzles and design stuff in general that isn't related to this room. Because I know uh, Brian, you're you're an escape room designer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, like. I don't even know where to go with that. Like, I mean, well, this is this is obviously the the one the way we do this is we do escape rooms in a different medium, right? It's an it's an audio medium. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if you were trying to design a room like this in a physical space, is there stuff that you would take out or put in or be different? So we've already actually created an audio. Well, uh, we didn't create. There, there was um. 60 Out had already purchased an audio-based escape room, and they were trying to get me to, to host it at my location, but I tend to design and build my own rooms. Um, mm. And when we did do, it was actually called Morpheus, and okay. it was a completely audio-based. All the players would be blindfolded, and there would be a narrator very much like this, and it would be role-playing through, and you could, um, as you would, you could ask to, for different objects that you find throughout the, the experience. And they would actually hand you physical objects that you would hold in your ah. hand and you'd be able to manipulate, but you'd still be blindfolded. Um, How interesting. Interacting. Yeah, it, it was a very interesting concept. Um, I, I didn't really feel too confident that it was something that people would want to pay like large amounts of money for. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, sen- so that, sensory deprivation escaping is tricky. Yeah, it's a very fine line, and with that, it was also required, I believe, two game masters on top of that. So it wouldn't be cheaper than okay. a normal escape room. It would be more expensive than a normal escape room, and uh, it would be taking away the whole visuals, which, in my opinion, I love the visuals. My rooms are much I agree. more set design and everything. Well, I like the yes. direction that yeah. you're going in with Jezebel. Yeah, Jezebel, well, that's, that's it's, completely different animal. Yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. If anything, it's, it's the opposite where you're actually even more interactive and then there's another element where there's like the live actor and you're interacting with them and you're kind of doing like this kind of social puzzle or social manipulation. Yeah, it's social engineering yeah. at, at its finest where you're just trying to manipulate the actor and really 
try to come up on the spot, innovative ways to get around. There's so many variables in the room, and the variables are yeah, based on the players and how they want to solve things and how they can solve things. So a big uh, <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you about that the next time you guys come down and you final <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for you, though. No, but, but some of it involves, like, just kind of figuring out how to, like, trick the actor, right? Like, yes. That's not giving away anything. I mean, I mean that's just... yeah. You gotta find out ways to trick the actor. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Oh, I don't know if I'd be any good at that. That sort of thing <laughs> intimidates me so much. That's something that um actually a lot of enthusiasts. Um, well, not a lot, but uh, I've noticed that more enthusiasts that are very puzzle focused people are having trouble with Jezebel because they're more inclined to be like puzzles, 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 and then a lot of them are a little bit socially anxious or a little bit yeah. nervous around talking to people or trying to create uh, characters and stuff, and we're putting them in very uncomfortable positions, very uncomfortable positions. Well, it's also a very racy room. Yes, it is an 18 plus <laughs> it's, room oh, as well. adult, it's mature. I've seen some audiences. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of... <laughs> He's breaking a lot of, uh, a lot of barriers here. <laughs> a lot of laws. Um, but yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. But it's interesting, those sorts of things, because there's like people's understanding of what they're meant to do or what is within these sort of spaces, you know, mm -hmm. because like, I'm sure for some people, like the concept of saying to your, to the actor in the room, Hey, let, I'm going to solve this by making you do something for me or tricking you into giving me an answer or tricking you into doing a thing feels some like how equivalent to getting into an escape room with a lock pick in your pocket and just trying to pick through all the locks and get to the end. It's kind of like, no, no, I want to engage with the, puzzle aspect i don't want to quote unquote cheat my way through the room uh -huh. and so while something like obviously bringing lockpicks to an escape room is clearly cheating uh and and just not doing an escape room right in the same way that you can just press the button that lets you out and then you escape that way um that i'm sure for some people who like go with that with that mindset it's hard to get into the well maybe i can just trick the 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 actor into telling me what they want or how to make or making them do it in this way or the other do you find that something you have to prep fairly heavily for? Like, this is what is expected for you in, in a room like this? Um, yes, we do have to have variable. Uh, we do have to have multiple paths and multiple, you know, uh, fixes in case things do go south for whatever reason or somebody does something that we totally don't expect. Um, having the actor inside the room actually creates a nice buffer for that. So if... Because normally in an escape room, if players do something that we're not used to them doing, it's harder for the game master to come in without breaking immersion and ruining the overall gameplay. Um, mm. But when you have the actor in the room, the actor can create an improv situation or an improv moment and then sort of fix whatever just happened or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, mm. on the spot without ruining It gives you a little bit more. That's sort of the, 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 um, the power that we have in that Danny is constantly shaping reality with her words, is that when things are going in different directions or going in the wrong place, you can just change the, or like you can bring stuff on track a lot more because Danny has that sort yeah. of control as well. Exactly. Uh, just nudge them back onto where they need to be without them even realizing that they got nudged. That is helpful. And it's nice to be able to deliver that in person in theme rather than just like mm -hmm. a game master over a walkie talkie saying, oh, guys, can you uh, actually, you should probably do it this way. Exactly. Changes the changes the feeling. Mm -hmm. That is that is interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I feel like more escape rooms need to explore. How to 
more subtly give hints without just pushing it on them and being like, like, mm. you're wrong. Yeah, this, this is what you should do. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the most interesting ways I've seen that happen is uh, the room um, Dead Air uh, at Niagara Falls. Yeah. Crux, Crux Escape. So I believe they give hints because they have co- music constantly playing that is like... Because it's a radio station. It's a, you're in a radio station. So they have music that plays and they like seed hints into that music sometimes. They're like, like so that they'll have like a radio DJ pop in and say something that's innocuous that doesn't feel like it's directed to you personally, but is just... And then it like they'll like put in keywords or put in things or add little hints that become sort of like part of the ambient sound without being a break from the from from the the world that you're in. So they kind yeah. of sneak clues in through the music that's constantly playing. This is DJ Robbie R and B telling you don't touch that dial unless you've looked at the switch underneath <laughs> the sink. Well I don't know if that's exactly how they do it, but that kind of idea. And so they kind of have this organic way of of of, of cluing differently, which is kind of which was uh, enjoyable. We didn't need the clue, so we didn't really get to experience it. <laughs> yeah. We actually do that uh, a little bit in our Tiki Palace room. We uh, give the hints through a ham radio, and uh, we've been exploring the uh, having the, the, the narrative DJ coming through just in the exact same style that you mentioned. Mm. And then nice. sort of a background, and then trying to give the hints sort of more subtly than more directly. But uh, definitely, <laughs> there's a lot more puzzles in Tiki time than there are in Gusbell, so... There's a lot more issues that will come up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, right. So, yes, no, you very wanna... quickly, I, feel, I just want some sort of puzzle question to bring this back to Survivor. Because, oh. again, I feel absurd not talking about Survivor for hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can always do it. But I will, well, okay, so I'll tell you an escape room story that was kind of related, um, which is interesting because, um, so the way I met Tommy was because he was a big Survivor fan. And he had offered to run a room for a bunch of the Survivor people. And so he customized his room for us. So what he did was he hid little scrolls all around his room that aren't normally part of the game. Like, like, you know, like the immunity, um, like immunity, right? So uh, part and on top of having to try to solve his normal room, you would find these little scrolls and they all had clues to them. And at the very end, if you had enough of these scrolls, you could get a clue that would help you like unlock the back door where there is an extra prize, but only one person could win it. And so, you know, and he was like, you can, you can share the clues with other people if you want, or you can just try to figure it out <laughs> on your own. Oh, that's fantastic. And I, you know, and half of the times, a bunch of the people had never done a room before, they, but they've all played Survivor. So for them, they were <laughs> so focused on just looking for these dumb clues and that they weren't helping with any of the puzzles. <laughs> and like one guy just stood in the back, like eyeing everyone, trying to see if they're like shoving papers. <laughs> In their back pocket. Like, <laughs> you guys are working together here, okay? This is yeah. like a real survivor. Two people decided not to solve any puzzles, but they formed a nice tight alliance. Like, you, you and me, fine too. Fine. It was so triggering. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> hiding in the corner and come help me. Oh, man. oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, oh. that was that was pretty cool. But then I thought that was kind of a cool aspect that there was some weird individual like hidden part of it too. You know? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's lovely oh, having something customized. It's it's disarming in a way. Yeah, just how? 
it, 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 especially when you're not warned about it. Yeah, well, yeah. Just suddenly it's like, what, what, what's going on here? That, this is about me. <laughs> um, uh, well, give me one surprise. Do you have to... Yeah, I got to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm not yeah, well. I've got to go soon too. All so. right, we should probably finish off then. Do you wanna, well, why don't we quickly finish off right now? All right, well, thank you um, so much. It was absolutely lovely having, having both of you. Uh, if people are looking to find you out in the internet space or in the meat space, uh, where can they find you, uh, Brian? 60out.com is uh, our website. Uh, you can definitely look Easy. us all up there. Um, if you're looking for me personally, uh, you can always contact me at brian at 60out.com. Wonderful. Well, and for me, you can, uh, so like, you can look me up on my Instagram. I'm at uh, PG, that's P-E-I-H, G-E-E, and that's the same for my Twitter handle, Twitch, everything is just my first name, P-E-I-H-G-E-E. Oh, wonderful. All right, I'll have all of those linked below for anybody who wants to find them.